Tonight, Sarah and I sit down to discuss rabbit holes, our experiences with them, what they are, where they come from, and who or what caused them. Enjoy! Nocturnal Twins podcast. I am really excited today that we are going to be talking about a podcast called The Rabbit Hole. It might not be The Rabbit Hole. It might might just be Rabbit Hole. But essentially, it is a podcast from the New York Times that went live in May 2020, April, May 2020, about the rabbit hole that can happen on the internet. Um, Specifically, Kevin Roos, Rose, I believe it's Roos, who created this. He, they went on this journey to understand what happens to people who get stuck in these rabbit holes in YouTube, in these content bubbles, essentially, and how that can really shift somebody's perspective on the world. And I was really excited about this podcast. It was recommended to me by a friend. And when I listened to it, I was in shock that this was happening. I had no idea. I'm not someone that spends time on YouTube. I think my typical content area at that point in time was watching the same show over and over on Netflix and Hulu, which still happens. So I don't spend a lot of time on YouTube getting information or listening to music and So listening to this podcast that deep dives into how people's fundamental views on life can be shifted just based on who they're watching and these recommended videos and how that can spiral you into this place with a whole different perspective on the world. And so I'm really fascinated by perspectives. Um, I'm also very fascinated by goals and how much of an impact our companies and our society has on our individuals and our personal well-being. Um, And so that's why I chose this podcast to talk about today, because I also know that you, Jay, have a very different experience with rabbit holes and with YouTube. So what did you think of the podcast? Well, I absolutely loved it. So when you recommended this, I... It's like, oh, cool. Yeah, like I've I've experienced this a little bit. And I listened to the first episode and then the second episode and then the third episode and the fourth. And I listened to all of it within like a day, maybe even a day and a half. I remember you texting me like, okay, I'm ready. I listened to it. Just and you're like, like I recommended this yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good though. Well, it was just, so the the podcast was structured in like a, like, there was an arc, sort of a related arc in the first three episodes. And then there was an interview. And then there, oh, actually there's two interviews. And then it ended with sort of a, the, the two-parter, the QAnon two-parter. So it started with the three, the three episode, which was like, I, I had seen, I had been involved with almost everything in that first episode. Like I had watched a lot of the same stuff too in my time. And I, I was just, I, I was, that absolutely drew me in. Um, the interview with the YouTube CEO was okay. And just sort of like really like, in, I, I, I just find when corporate people 
talk about certain things. I just get frustrated, like kind of zone out a little. Uh, like she was just like, well, our company's goals and yada, yada. And I just kind of zone out a little. I'm like, okay, all right. Because that's not, that's not my mindset. And then the stuff with PewDiePie was interesting, even though I don't really like PewDiePie. He's, he's not bad. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the guy personally. I don't dislike the guy. I just don't follow the guy. And then all just the whole, his sort of slide. That is just so fascinating. And the QAnon stuff, I mean, thankfully, I, I've been able to watch from the outside perspective when I was living overseas. So I got to see people losing their collective minds online from these internet rabbit holes it's it was fascinating and i absolutely loved this podcast so it's interesting i because we have totally different brains i didn't really think about it in the way that they grouped those stories together i saw that of a building of this broader issue that's taking place right and how the information that we consume is shaping Mm -hmm. how we're viewing the world so i'm curious you said the first three episodes were, you know, resonated with you. You'd seen a lot of the things, but this guy, standard, you know, American, younger male, trying to go to school, found himself in a tough situation and started watching these YouTube videos that eventually resulted in him really getting into a conservative right-wing viewpoint on the world until his content bubble was radical radical yeah yeah so you said that resonated a little bit how do you how have you experienced that this dude was the pretty much graduated the same year we did and at that time there was that big new atheist movement do you remember that i was really into that and i still in a sense but nowhere nowhere near the same but like my favorite author from that time was christopher hitchens and his videos are just wonderful and I still love his videos and they mention him in this podcast because he he's sort of an interesting character but he's certainly not conservative like he was a he was a Marxist when he was at at university in England like this dude this dude's pretty progressive but he he had some kind of right leaning views during the Iraq war and so so but the thing was that I saw that I had kind of that this guy sort of continued down was the recommended videos from his um, where it started recommending, well, cause there's the whole Dawkins, Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris and them. And then it would start recommending like Jordan Peterson or um, Milo Yiannopoulos and Molyneux and Rogan and sort of like more like just, I don't know. I'm sure like they're fine in their own right, I guess, but they're also kind of, they're, they're leaning a bit on the more crazy side, you know? And then from there, the recommendations just kept going down to like Steven Crowder and then Gavin McGinnis and then Lauren Sutton, and all these like nut jobs. Pardon my language. So, um, and I just, I, when I was watching those videos at the time, I loved the Christopher Hitchens and the Dawkins and stuff. And then I, but I didn't like anything they were recommending. And so when I would recommend something, I'm just like, no, not interested. And I would stick to what I like. So I, I kind of formed my own bubble in a sense, but I saw all this stuff. This was all there. It's so interesting um, because not everyone is as a severe contrarian as you are. Uh, And so (laughs) most people 
pursue that recommended video route, right? Like yeah. when a video comes up and you've been watching it all day, or honestly, even in your sleep, right? This just keeps going until it your might. computer shuts off. Yeah. You're spending all day. I am stubborn in a weird way. Like not in a weird way. As just okay. a human being. I'm very stubborn. <laughs> it's my our whole life. Somebody tells me not to do something, and it's gonna be like through graded teeth, either I will do it or I will just completely reject that. And that's I don't know why. It's just this like I, I at every job I've worked in, like when it's a job, I don't really mind as much being told what to do but I that's why I kind of liked being a manager and had to work my way up to that quick because I was like some of these people are idiots and I need to be in charge <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I just I have this there's this feeling it's like somebody's told me hey Jacob you need to you need to stay at home and you need to, to work towards that white picket fence and the family and do all that I said nope I'm gonna go backpack for five years and work in a mining town in tropical Australia. Bye. And I bailed. <laughs> Good luck with your fence. Enjoy <laughs> your pig and fence. But it is, and it is who you are, just like fundamentally. I think right. there's, you, you asked why. I think there's a long lineage of generational contrarians that have contributed to you becoming this way. But also, that's just how you're wired. And I think... Mm-hmm. What's so interesting about that is that when an external force is like, hey, you liked this, yeah. won't you like this? Your first reaction is like, actually, no. I will not. <laughs> Unless it's what I already know and what I already like. Precisely. Which is actually kind of how this algorithm or this, this whole system that the internet and YouTube has built is supposed to work, right? Like you listen to this YouTube video, you watch this YouTube video, you'll probably like this one. And it tends to be the case. Like people actually do tend to follow that way. Um, We had a conversation with our littlest one um, about YouTube and the dangers of content bubbles in an age appropriate way for an eight year old Mm -hmm. at the time after I listened to this podcast. And she is someone who's very susceptible to influence the opposite of you, right? She's not, she's medium contrarian, but like very susceptible to doing what others would recommend her to do. And so we were talking about it one day and she was like, oh man, I've been stuck in, in that before. We were like, what do you mean? And she was like, I've been stuck watching Disney princess videos for hours And, you know, we laughed about it. We joked about how that can happen and how you have to be aware that there's actually a lot going on bigger than just this one video that you're watching, right? right? Like there's a whole system at play. That interview, some of the interviews with the YouTube folks, especially that fellow, I can't remember his name. Uh, I don't know if I wrote it down. Um, But the guy who talks about, oh, did I write it down? The guy who talks about the algorithm and, and when there was a point where, the, the company basically said, we are switching goals. Our goal is watch time, not specifically quality content, but time watching more ad revenue, I'm sure all sorts and more time, more there's, there's a lot of benefits for the company if that happens, but the, the algorithm has to sort of start doing these, like kind of these loops and these things, this, these spirals. So for example, mine, because I, kind of what we said earlier, when I just, when I don't like something, 
to automatically play. Like I've just absolutely rejected or say, don't, don't recommend this again, that sort of thing that which are recent additions to YouTube, but my YouTube recommendations are in this back feed or this back loop where it's recommending basically the same video over and over. Like this it, is it, the only one that you <laughs> this like. A, uh, this is apparently all you like. So that's all you're getting. So here, fine, watch totally this fine. again. Right. But that's fine. I'm in control of that in a sense. So it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, that's what you'd like to think. It's my but, content. <laughs> yes. But that's what's so. So then that episode, I think, threw me for a loop. So in this episode, they interview one of, I believe, the engineers behind the algorithm and you know, one of the, the big wigs at YouTube and it's revealed that this, this goal changed. And there then was this question around what is the responsibility of the company? So they've set this goal, which made sense. I'm sure in the big conference room they were in where they determined that of, Mm -hmm. you know, this is our, we need our revenue and our ad, you know, all these things. I'm sure that lined up perfectly to to make this vision of let's keep people on YouTube for as long as possible. Watch time. How can we keep them here? So they set this goal. We go out into the world, all this content's being created. That's garbage or false fake news, whatever it is that's being created, melting people's brains. And that's not important. So then they ask the question of, you know, then whose role is it to make sure that the right information about the COVID pandemic is getting to the people or news, like credible news and information. Whose job is it to patrol that if first and foremost, this YouTube platform is an entertainment site? Well, absolutely. And this is, this is why basically they had to kind of skirt the, the legal side first until they realized, okay, we, we can't just do that because something bad's going to happen. Which resulted, like there was some, there's some bad stuff, until they had to start really cracking down, especially on a lot of that misinformation. But it, I, yeah, it was it just that whole. All right, we're gonna we're gonna the ram the ramifications of this was pretty pretty bad and still affecting us now. This sort of this rabbit hole, really, this this sort of deep the spiral of information that just brings you down and down and down just to keep you watching. And it was from a corporate boardroom in a sense. And that, I don't like that. <laughs> it's frustrating. It scares me. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you mentioned, you know, zoning out. Like the corporate stuff is not as intriguing to you. And I think that's what stuck with me. Maybe not the most, but second most out of this is that yeah. it's important that we're setting goals, right? That mm-hmm. we're operating with the goal in mind, the end goal in mind, right? That we're treating larger scale issues and not just symptoms like we were raised in a household where that was part of the narrative right like what's the goal what are we doing here what's important how does that shape our behaviors and like so to me I think after listening to something like this it reinforced that anxiety around setting the right goals and I'm doing air quotes for those of you listening like what are the right goals and how can we ever make these decisions in a way that's all encompassing of this potential downfall or like yeah. horrible side effects of making this choice that that I'm sure made sense at the time in the room they were in with the conversation that they had and the data that they had at hand. Yeah. 
But to your point, there's all these ramifications. Like there's all these things that are happening now because we were hyper-focused on that goal. Mm -hmm. And that scares me about our big companies, our corporations, where it's like, just because we can, doesn't mean that we should. And who's the judge? Whose role is it to determine what's right and what's wrong yeah. for, for humanity? I don't well, think and, it can be us. And now they've, there's, a, there's a secondary on that. There's now the ramifications on the people. So now they just, they just made this big group of people dependent on information and so sort of radicalized a big group of people. And then they turned on them. And then during the, especially in the COVID pandemic, which they talked about in this um, podcast a bit where they said, where are we getting the right information from? And they, they were making sure that that information was sort of the first video you saw, the correct stuff. Well, now they just made this whole group of people who are now sort of turned against them. And now they don't believe any of that. And now they reject all of that information and refuse to accept it because now it's being pushed by who they consider the enemies. <laughs> it's, it's not good. <laughs> no, that was part of that PewDiePie yeah. narrative also. So I never heard of PewDiePie. Had you seen yeah. his, their videos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I played Minecraft when it first came out and I played those video games and everyone knew about this guy and I, I didn't like him so much just because he was kind of more catered towards a younger audience. Totally fine. Um, and I, I kind of watched some other stuff, but he was always there. Um, it just like the fact that that's that the progression of him to maintain popularity is the most what was it? The, the most subscribed YouTuber for a very long time. He had like hundreds of millions. Right. It was like, yeah, it was like 50 million. And then from that was when he like, okay, this guy's big. And that was like five years ago, six years ago. And then it just kept going up. But in order to him to maintain it, he just had to keep doing crazier and weirder things to the point where he was as a joke, he claimed paying people on what was that Fiverr? to like do like Nazi salutes in, in foreign countries and stuff for, it was like, whoa. And then, yeah. and then it just spiraled to the point where, so I was in Australia at the time when the Christchurch massacre happened. That's right. And I was with Kiwis who were from Christchurch talking about it. And they're one of the kids who was there was pretty radicalized as well. He, he, he was kind of a nut job though. He had some, he had some mental health issues for sure. But the fact that the person who just committed this horrible massacre then ended it with subscribe to PewDiePie. Like that just ended things. That was, that was it. How did that happen? How did that, how did YouTube's algorithm and how did a, a large, a, a, admittedly millions of people, large group of people who wanted more and more popularity, more and more subscribers. Yeah, and then it ended with uh, somebody murdering dozens of people in a mosque in Christchurch saying that at the end. I just, it's like, well, wow. And it, how did, it, yeah. How does that happen? And who, like, ultimately that person. Who's responsible? Is somebody is, responsible? Well, and that person who committed the crime, 100%. Absolutely. But how again with this information that shapes your perspective and your choices and your actions 
who's who can take responsibility like PewDiePie yeah. that by yelling a YouTube content creator's name after opening fire in a in a place of worship like I just it doesn't make any sense to me yeah. it it begs that question of if you're a content producer are you responsible for what's done with your content yeah and that's sort of that's the question, isn't it? So, and it's something we are going to have to reckon with in the internet age. That's yeah. that's going to, we don't have an answer. Yeah. I don't think anyone really does. There's no real right answer because if it was a yes or no answer, I don't think that'd be correct. This is not a yes or no answer at all. No, it's nuanced. There's it's a nuanced. Lot in there. Oh, for sure. It, but I, man, it's, it's going to be, I think this is going to be a really big problem. I think so too. For our society. Yes, and it's got to be reckoned with, and it was not reckoned with as as it was built, right? As we entered this age of the internet well, and of information, and it's being reckoned with by corporations and boardrooms, people who probably people who are don't sitting have in those rooms making those decisions initially, yeah. who didn't think right. about it the first time, exactly. And our, it's it's very reactionary. They just, oh, well, we get in trouble for this lawsuit. Cool, pay the lawsuit, whatever. Let's go this. Let, like So anything to just kind of, they're just kind of bouncing back and forth. It is very reactionary. And I don't yeah. think that's going to be the best way to handle it, but that's how they're yeah. going to, for sure. But that's where we're at, especially yeah. if, if we think about what's rewarded in society, right? right? Like we're not rewarding these companies who are, who are created in a capitalistic society where money is king, yeah. right? We're not rewarding time spent on the theoreticals of what's right and wrong and potential implications on, on humanity and people and how they're going to evolve yeah. based on the choices we're making now, because how does that impact the bottom line? Like, I know that's a very pessimistic view of the world, and I would like to actually believe that people are talking about this and that yep. people are now putting importance on, on doing the right thing and thinking about our, our actions. But I, I am a slightly more pessimistic in thinking that we as a society don't reward that behavior. And so why would people choose to, or why would companies choose to allocate resources there? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's going to be the question for the ages, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go. So, exactly. <laughs> but I, yeah, go ahead. So, <laughs> all right. Um, so it, what I, what leads up to that through that with the YouTube stuff and with that, that first stuff is it goes to the QAnon stuff at the end. Where, yeah. And I think that just shows the kind of, you almost think that that'd be the end of the rabbit hole, right? Like this is rock bottom. These are people who think absolutely very, they're completely infactual um, and just almost mystical and like religious. And like, weren't they, there's a group recently that was, they were rallying in Dallas because they thought John F. Kennedy Jr. and Robin Williams were going to be released from like a CIA black 
blackout something or other and because they were secretly That's assassinated so I, it's like whoa, whoa, whoa what huh, huh this is this is contradictory to reality as far as i'm aware so is this rock bottom maybe maybe not what's rock bottom it's hard to say um i mean to in my viewpoint yes but also like these <laughs> people one of the beautiful things about the internet is that there's a space of community. I mean, there's a lot of terrible things, but there's a space of finding community because it it connects everyone, right? Yeah. Like I can I can find people who are like-minded, who have the same hobbies, who dress the same, who have the same whatever it may be. Yeah. I can find them out there on the internet. They're and out there. I think we've always had people in our society who have believed in these mystical things happening or in conspiracies that our government is acting against us and people haven't, people actually didn't go to the moon. It was all staged. Like we, this has been happening for so long. Yeah. I think no, that's not new. Right. right. And so I think what we what's happening now is that there's um, there's more of a movement because there's more connection. These aren't the people in tin hats in the middle of Idaho with their ranches, <laughs> right. right? Like we're now seeing this connection but being made across. They, in in the podcast, they mentioned that it's like these are these are seemingly normal folks, like right. people who barely can use their computers, and they're meeting up and talking about the latest file drop on 4chan about the and they're deciphering codes but they're kind of just no weirdo regular people who just found this connectivity online and that's I'm looking for something to believe in is that fine is that good they have I mean, there's a community for some people who may have felt community less sure but are they acting and i think that's the hard part and why people haven't had if we're thinking about companies, thinking about what's right and what's good for people, is that that's also different based on who you are. Like what that definition is and what mm-hmm. right looks like is also sure. different. So to me, that community of QAnon is very problematic. It is concerning the way they treat others. It's concerning mm-hmm. what they believe and who they exclude actually within that community and how that's kind of trickled out into a broader wider influential group of people and i i find that to be very problematic but if we ask them what was right and if this was a positive community building experiment in rallying groups of people they would probably say yes right that's their perspective and this comes down to a fundamental aspect of our country for example but our society which is you are more than welcome and encouraged to believe absolutely whatever you want in your own home do whatever you want as long as you're not harming other people as long as you're not doing stuff to people who can't help themselves believe whatever you want fine in your own home cool great you know what great but then it's when that leaves that boundary and enters the public square and affects other people and starts harming other people that's when it becomes a problem and it becomes a negative on society. But I, I, it's part of me is like, yeah, you know what? If these people want to believe this stuff, 
and they just want to stay on the internet forums in their homes and do that, then great. But when it starts influencing politics and people start killing each other over this, like that, what was that awful? I, I part of me thought that was a fake news story in California. The guy who killed his whole family because he thought they were like lizard people or something like yeah. that. Scary. That's really That's scary. scary. I, yeah, it's, it's, where's, and as a society, we, we kind of, it's, we can't really draw a line on that, right? Besides what we've already drawn, which is in the boundaries of your own home, you sort of, you can do whatever you want in a sense, but until, I don't, yeah, that's, that's a hard one. That's a hard one to really reckon with. It is, which is Again, why, yeah. yeah, go ahead. There's no, there's no black or white answer on that one. There's it's all not. gray area. And that's, that's people, right? It's not, <laughs> right. That's right. Is, there's... None of these issues that we're reckoning with or that we will continue to reckon with are going to be simple. Um, and that hurts my poor little soul that wants <laughs> everything to be in and... like a very orderly totally but it's so hard for me too to also so when i it's when i listen to podcasts like this when i read stuff on the internet articles oh yeah you just feel like man there's some really crazy but then in my jobs that i've had and you meet some of these folks and it's like oh they're just normal folks and you get along with them there's this fellow back in australia who man i he he would always just say the absolute crazy stuff i'm like man you're a whack job and i tell him that to his face because he was like i don't he's like well you're an idiot for believing and so but i'd pour him a beer he'd pay we'd laugh about it he's like cool all right see you in a bit normal person that's just like Brene brown mentions that in her work it's it's really hard to hate people close up absolutely people are so you just want to help everybody you meet and and you understand you start to build understanding it's like okay, I can see why you, like, I don't believe the same things. I don't understand why you believe the same things, but I can see you as a person and you as a person are not harmful. And you as a person have done all these things for me, with me, whatever that may be. And so you're okay, but all the other people. Right. Because we're hardwired to think in pretty much what two we we get what individuals and groups it's pretty much we 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 can't make that distinction very well can we it's just kind of that's us as sort of barely evolved primates but we try yeah and that's the hard part and that is and that's why it's so hard to be able to do the right thing right make those right choices for everyone everywhere across the globe because that's that's all that's impossible definitely and because so so that so at the very beginning of the podcast back what 10 12 years ago what they were what at that time was the radical enemy was sort of like this this these very this dangerous group of radical Islam, which is what the new atheist movement was fighting against, which was sort of a reaction of the 9-11 World World Trade Center attacks. And so, and that, I, I, they almost sort of related that sort of, not the, the beginning of the rabbit hole to that, but that 
sort of seems to be the very top. That's sort of the opening for a lot of folks was that that group was they were saying, no, we're pushing it back against these sort of radical, crazy folks. We're the rational ones. And that's what draws people in is I it's like I as an individual feel rational and I want to be a part of this group. And then that same thing, you just sort of spiral down with it, I guess. That's the rabbit hole. That's the rabbit hole. Terrifying. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that essentially covers this whole season one. Yeah. Of rabbit hole. I have a couple questions for you to answer. Just oh, off the great. Top of your head. Please. So what was your, what was your overall takeaway? after listening to the podcast the overall takeaway was for me it was like i can see how easy it is to slip down these things i've seen it i've stepped down these paths i've i've watched a lot of the same videos i don't know i mean i i kind of do why it doesn't work on me but (laughs) but i can see why it works on a lot of people like i'm just i'm just too stubborn (laughs) <laughs> just too damn stubborn i and i've I, yeah i think that's my main takeaway is i i always knew how easy it was to slide down these slides but i didn't realize it was greased by these companies too yeah yeah i mean yeah it's all out there that's scary okay so that was your key takeaway what was your favorite part of the podcast <laughs> my favorite part of the podcast was they played a like three second intro clip from a video um, in that first episode from Family's Guide to the Internet, which is from another sort of podcast TV show that makes fun of terrible videos. And I was proud of myself for recognizing this is something so minuscule and stupid from a 90s family like home video cassette. It's just the intro sound. And I was like, I recognize that. So there. (laughs) That's my favorite part. That's awesome. I didn't even catch that. What was your least favorite part? Uh, truthfully, a lot of the stuff with PewDiePie. Yeah. I I just find a lot of that that it feels that that sort of um he was kind of the first influencer sort of thing on the internet, uh, influencer culture, and I, I find a lot of that really cringe. Um so that that part of it for me was that big yeah a lot of that part mainly the beginning stuff about how we got famous was like yeah it was just a swedish guy playing minecraft how do you get 50 million viewers for just saying stupid shit? yes for just literally saying anything that came to his mind and people just like they, they just ate it up it's so yeah. interesting um so i want to know you know our intention of this podcast is a to have late night chats mostly because I think you're awesome and I love hearing what's happening in your head um and also because our big sister thought this would be hilarious um but our real intention is I think to learn more about each other right and to learn more about each other's perspective as we as we digest content learn new things right read books watch movies bake things and so what have you taken away from this conversation i i mean i've always kind of known you know how how differently we work you know how different i don't know if differently is a word anyways uh but i just for you the impactful episode was the inner 
the in- interview with the YouTube CEO. And I just thought that was real boring and I kind of zoned out. But I, that's just, it's what's so interesting is what in our, when was the last time we like, I don't know, properly, but before, before university was over, right? Where we hung out for a really long time before I came back to Australia, I guess. Where, like, but we, you, you and I have progressed in such different ways. We've digested completely different content, yeah, and media, everything. Like, we're just so, but we're also still hilarious and <laughs> adorable, and so <laughs> very humble. And, <laughs> and so helpful. <laughs> I just um, like our different takes because it's we're, we can still have a conversation even though we're different. Well, and I think it's so interesting how differently even we digested this cut. We listened to the same podcast, right? same words, right? I re-listened to it. So we listened to it at the same time and still like had similar takeaways, but different from how you thought about it, how I looked at it. One thing that I am taking away from this conversation is I've honestly worried before that you, you would get stuck in the rabbit hole, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like that, that could happen to you, right. especially after listening the first time, like those three episodes are describing not uh, pretty you, much, but pretty much <laughs> a very well. similar path. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so I think I've always worried that this could happen. And it probably has happened to people we know and love. Um, And it's, that would be a normal thing to happen considering our society is like constantly trying to make that happen. But Mm. I have now some solace in (laughs) the fact I knew you were a contrarian and I knew you were stubborn, but like the fact that even YouTube is stands no chance for that (laughs) giant brain is a relief to be honest. Okay, good. Well, I always thought about, so with that sort of you worrying, even, even dad recently was like, Hey, just want to make sure you're not going down a rabbit hole. Like, oh, thanks. That's very sweet. I, just I promise in. I haven't talked to him. No, yeah. of course not. But that's just sort of how he is. He's just like, Oh, I've read some article on the internet. I'm just checking the, are you on the, are you on the QAnon pipeline? No. Okay. Good. Are you on the YouTube? Are you on the YouTube? Right. So no. Oh, yeah. But I, I think about my time especially at college where I would I would find some people and I was very interested in and I would follow I would go a few steps down a path and not don't like this back not there was the time remember when I was playing Pokemon again as an adult I didn't want to find their things that they love oh absolutely it wasn't for me but I followed that path. I spent a few hundred bucks buying. Uh, actually, uh, yeah. you spent a few hundred hours making Pokemon cards. Oh also. yeah, Ooh, cringe. <laughs> but it was fine, and those people probably still do it to this day, and that's great. Yes, they it just have their wasn't community. for me. And then I would go down. So especially, I I reckon a lot of this comes from I took um at university there I had to get like a prereq done and it, so I knew the teacher for this intro to religion course that I took and I I don't know like it was so fascinating so I had, I had been down I loved Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris and watching all that and I went to this intro to religion class and I was contrarian and yeah 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 but then I just realized that 
like and there were some people in there who were like they were asked some there were some dumb questions like there were those but dinosaurs were put there as a test right like Ooh. but i just there was something about that class i think it was the professor who i just realized you know what like maybe that's not for me i don't want to be a complete asshole to everybody I meet because of their religion. <laughs> I don't enjoy that. I like, I like people and I like how different everybody is. And I don't like, so even now I don't really talk about religion to, to yeah. folks, even though I love it. I, I still, I still watch Christopher Hitchens videos. I, I have all his books. I love the guy. I really do. I think he's an incredible writer. I just don't need to share that. You I don't should feel add that, that to our list. Cause I don't know very much about, I love his writing. He's terse. He's smart. He's mean. He's like my friend I was just telling you about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like this guy stinks. He's gross, but dang, is he smart. And that's the <laughs> I am looking forward to you reading Walking the Bible and we'll continue this religious conversation. Oh, all right. Then, yeah, but, right. Yeah. But you're right. That, like you step down those paths. I and I just like... found, I think the big, the thing that stopped me was that a lot of those paths ended with not liking the other in some form and i i, I don't like that feeling i like yeah. people i got a compliment at work it was like somebody said you're really good with people do you know that I'm like, oh. like yes i do I, I, because I i'm people. adorable and hilarious <laughs> i'm adorable and hilarious <laughs> um, but it is and i think that's a i think that's true of who you are i think you've always been very inclusive and warm and welcoming and yes willing to debate and yes willing to pick a opinion right and stand by a perspective for sure but always in a way where others can voice how they feel yeah sometimes maybe a little demeaning if their stance is that dinosaurs were a test oh but- <laughs> yeah i can be i can be a real ass to those people that's for sure I try not to be. (laughs) Do you you think it's lonely choosing that path of like never, like always putting a toe in the water, right? Like having these various communities, but never like diving in and committing to that? No, not for me. I found it, it, it's rounded me as a person. It's made me understand people from all different areas who do go down like I I feel like that has helped me appreciate so many different opinions because I've stepped on those and stepped right back and I didn't like okay but I I can at least I can appreciate that and I can talk to I can talk to a lot of people to a basic amount about a lot of things which I like so um it's it I think that's helped me a lot but I agree with you that you that oftentimes community is well it depends on the community i can't i can't group all those together but a lot of times a a community based off of common interests and things um becomes others like if like we're great the others are not great we are and you reference this a little bit that's very human it is human and i think that's how we've ended up in this place in our society also of like Find your community, stick yeah. to your community, and everyone else is wrong. Right. <laughs> and I don't think it needs to be that way. No, I agree. Nope. And that's, it's just a way for, I think, in, increasing lonesomeness amongst people. Yeah. 
But yeah, which is why we all go on YouTube and get stuck in the rabbit hole. I know. <laughs> so um, on that very right. light note. <laughs> so thank you for recommending this podcast. I yeah. really loved it. I really did. I, I I learned a lot about myself, or not so much learned a lot, but it let me it let me put together a lot of thoughts about my past and my. It's like, why didn't I fall down that rabbit hole? Yeah. I never really thought about that. Why? Why? So I, I got to I got to really explore that, which was appreciated. This is fun. Thank you all for listening to our discussion of the Rabbit Hole podcast in the New York Times. If you have any suggestions or recommendations of something you would like to hear Sarah and I discuss, email us at nocturnaltwinpodcast at gmail.com.